Welcome back to another episode of When Life Gives You Melons. How's your week been going? Well, ours. We are recording this episode again, because apparently the first recording was not very good. <laughs> happens. Life. Uh, that's what happens when you don't check your mic. We're your hosts. I am Reed, the one that didn't check her mic. <laughs> I am Drew, and we are both very happy to be here still. <laughs> even with our own technical difficulties. Mm-hmm. Okay, today we are going to go over neurodiversity. We're going to dive into it a little bit more. Um, we've talked about that dyslexia is categorized under neurodiversity, and we have given you a uh, small definition of what it was in other episodes, but this episode is going to be dedicated towards, you know, defining what's under this blanket of neurodiversity a little bit more. Let's get to it. Neurodiversity is a concept that has been around for a while now. In a nutshell, it means that a brain difference is just that, a brain difference, not a brain deficiency. So conditions like ADHD or autism are not defects, they're just a brain variation, which is normal. Yeah, so the the neurodiversity view is that brain differences are, like we've been saying, normal. Yeah. And that kids who have them aren't abnormal they're just as mainstream as kids that don't have them and maybe by the end of this episode you're going to be asking maybe i'm neurodiverse in some way because a lot of people are Mm -hmm. so this term neurodiversity begins with psychologist judy singer in the 1990s she herself is somewhere on the autism spectrum and she believed that people like her weren't disabled they're just simply different than other people. And through her own, you know, advocacy for this and and her work, this term neurodiverse started being adapted by advocates in the autism community and then was adapted beyond that point. And that's where we start getting all of these other brain variations being in this blanket of neurodiversity. This verbiage has been taken on by advocates and has been used by them in schools and in workplaces to help promote inclusion and end stigmas. This movement emphasizes that the goal shouldn't be to cure people who have brain differences. The goal is to embrace them as part of the mainstream, which means providing needed support for people that are neurodiverse in schools and in workplaces so they're able to be fully participating as a member of the community. The concept that people are naturally diverse learners is important for kids with learning differences. It can reduce stigma and the feeling that something is wrong with them, which, believe me, can play with your mental health, and can help build confidence, motivation, self-esteem, and resilience. Besides just using this term to help people like kids in the classroom or people that are neurodiverse better have a light on themselves and a better understanding of themselves. It also helps our educators in the classroom understand that it's not necessarily their ability to educate. It's just the strategy that they're using and that there are other strategies and those strategies have names and it's because they go along with these diagnoses. Diagnosi. Well, octopi. And this is actually something I've been thinking about more and more and teachers' profession their profession is extremely important for the education of children, for the 
intelligence of the country and they should be treated sorry i just know they're not paid enough for oh they're definitely no i know all the information in the education that they need to keep doing for themselves yeah they don't have they're only one person exactly okay so we're gonna quickly um talk about differences versus disabilities so we understand that we keep saying these things are differences natural variations things like that and i do believe they are natural variations but if not properly helped, like if I didn't get the reading therapy that I got, it is a disability. Like I'm not by any means la on rosed myself into believing that my dyslexia doesn't hinder my capability to be a full working human in the world to some extent, to some extent. Honestly, having that term disability is a very good thing because... It keeps you safe under federal and state laws, and it helps children like us hopefully get the help that they need with your IEP because uh, that's it's a legal paper, but you have to get diagnosed. To get that paper, um, yeah. To get that and paper, have that yeah. protection. So mm-hmm. We do use the term difference a lot, but it is um, we do understand why it's so important to have them be labeled as disabilities. But disability needs to be looked at not as a... In a, in a different light. It, it's... It's a much broader concept than enabled. It's this idea of like disability means that you can't do anything or broken or like totally like throw this one out and get a mm-hmm. new one. And I just, uh, so that's why the, using the term difference is a lot better because people don't. Or diversity. I, lo- I really love neurodiversity, or diversity. because it makes, you know, just means like I'm just part of a whole. Yeah. Versus this like oddball out. Exactly. So how about we uh, define some of these neurodiversities? First and foremost, we're going to go over ADHD and ADD, which is actually the same diagnosis. It's just if you present with the hyperactive side in the ADHD. Um, So they're both attention deficit Mm. issues. And uh, fun fact on that with the ADHD, the hyper area, everyone thinks is like, oh, the kid's bouncing off the wall. Oh, the kid can't, whatever, whatever. It doesn't actually mean that you're bouncing off the wall necessarily, which is why a lot of people, a lot of girls will get looked over because they don't present necessarily as crazy hyper although drew did (laughs) no i was actually gonna bring that up because i'm sitting here going honestly i can't believe after nate was diagnosed i mean as an adult now that i've been thinking about it i can't believe that after nate was diagnosed with adhd that nobody looked back at me because i was put in gymnastics because mom couldn't keep me off of my off of my hands and off of my head and bouncing around and i was just always all bouncing all around they thought gymnastics would be a great way to get out my energy which interestingly enough simone biles is um she's adhd adhd so had a place to put all of her energy she used her that energy for something hyper focused energy Yeah. yeah so um what that hyper actually means is heightened basically emotion or or things like that. So I'm ADHD and yes, I am squirrely at times, but how it um, manifests when I'm being like tested for it is that in this lovely test that they make you do, they specifically try to frustrate you to see what happens, right? And my ADHD shows up um, in divided attention only. I have a really hard time with divided attention and I start becoming flustered. I'll start fidgeting a lot. I'll start making... um, uncomfortable like sounds like the humming or the hawing thing and I don't notice that I'm doing it I just start becoming agitated which is I guess bam ADHD <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so it it manifests in a lot of different ways a lot of people think "Ooh, squirrely kid not necessarily you know nope so one of the strengths or main strengths of ADHD is being hyper focused that you're able to uh 
use all that energy and really hone in on something that's really interesting. You can do it for hours and all of a sudden you emerge 17 hours later and realize that you didn't eat anything and you really have to pee. Yes. Uh, so that has that happened to anybody because mm-hmm. it happens sometimes to me. I keep on telling myself, I'll get up in a minute. I'll get up in a minute. Yeah. I'll leave you with this fun fact on ADHD. ADHD is one of the only neurodiversities that the strengths that you get from this neurodiversity is from being hardwired that way, not from, you know, learning to be resilient or finding ways around what's happening or things like that. It's because your brain's like literally hardwired that way. So like some of the strengths of dyslexia is because we have learned to overcome things. But this one, anything you get from ADHD is because you're made that way, I guess. Cool. Next one. The next one we're going to talk about is autism. Autism is a neurodiversity that's characterized by repetitive patterns of behavior and difficulty in social situations. Another aspect is struggling to deal with change and other people's points of view when they don't seem to be rational or coincide with how they understand the world to work. There is no definition that can truly characterize all of the different variations that you can find on the spectrum. My husband is on the spectrum. I know for one of his things is um, overstimulation with too much uh, noise and stuff. So when we get over for family get-togethers and everything, um, once in a while I can see it. I can see the look on his face when his face changes and I'm like, do we need to go on a walk? Because he needs to get that stimulation down and out of his system, you know? Just, yeah. and we have a lot of family. We have a lot of family, too. So it's just knowing your, knowing your cues. And we know mm-hmm. a multitude of people on the spectrum in different, you know, different variations. I know people that are uh, non-functioning. And I know people that only represent in it by overstimulation. I know one person that's just, like, extremely ticklish. Like, it's it's a very wide oh, range yeah. and it's really interesting that like what people's mindset is around around autism and how negative it is well, which know. is amazing to me it is well and i mean one of my favorite things about josh my husband my favorite thing and my least favorite thing is <laughs> he doesn't really know how to be dishonest which is great it's fantastic because I know he's never lying to me. It's mildly off-putting. I needed I needed the sensitive husband today. But he's, at least I know he's always <laughs> honest with me. My favorite thing about my brother-in-law there is, and I've said this before, is the fact that he can be tap dancing away and the audience is obviously left and he's just still doing it. And I enjoy that. I actually, I love that too. That's my favorite thing. Usually that's because he's super excited and he gets so happy and it, I, I can. Yeah, he gets into it. I think it's adorable too. So um, one of the major strengths of autism, and this I have found almost, not with almost every autistic person I know, because that's blanketed, but with a lot of them, is this thing called retention. Yes. It's like there's a file cabinet in the brain and the ability to recall the information fast and bring it is like bring it to the forefront is amazing to me. That's actually uh, there's a medical reason for it. It's your mini columns. So mini columns, we can think of them as kind of like antennas in our brain. And a person with autism normally has a lot of mini columns and they're very close together. So that way information is going like literally split to each other. 
And on the contrary to this, if you're dyslexic, you actually have very spread apart mini columns. So the information is traveling really slow. So I actually wish I was mildly on the spectrum because maybe my retention would be a lot faster because I am like molasses. I cannot do anything on command. You got to give me a hot minute and then the information will come up. But for me, if I get frustrated, all I have to do is be like, Josh, what's this random thing? And Josh normally knows what it is. He's like Google. A wonderful person on the autism spectrum is also Tim Burton. So all of those wonderful movies, it's a person on the spectrum's brain there. Our next one is dyspraxia. Daniel Radcliffe has dyspraxia. What is dyspraxia? Uh, Dyspraxia is specific learning difficulties affecting coordination, movement, balance, organization abilities, which, I mean, don't we all have that issue, right? And uh, motor difficulties, including like poor hand-eye coordination and uh, spatial reasoning. So this person's not going to be your, you know, your star athlete necessarily. I mean, they could be with practice, but uh, off the bat, they're not going to. And like I said, Mr. Daniel Radcliffe has even stated that he is uh, not the guy you want to be on a team with. Uh, This neurodiversity often exhibits similar characteristics of other neurodiversities and conditions. It's almost like they go in hand in hand sometimes. I mean, I'm just saying. Um, These conditions that it it goes along with are ADHD and high-functioning autism. So there you go. So people with uh, dyspraxia, besides having coordination issues, are also going to have those same issues with uh, your short-term memory, which is actually your working memory, or... Um, like concentration and probably social interactions, but that's a lot of that has to do with your concentration and your ability to log memory when you're doing it because you're not. I have an issue with this a lot, and if I'm not on my medication, I'm not a very good social person. That's what it is. Well, and I can see, I mean, ADHD can have issues in social situations when you're like you're, you're brain is working faster than everybody else's. I mean, like you're, you're a little. Sort of. Hyper. It's not even like you're hyper for me. I'm. I know I'm that's opposite. true. You're I, the complete opposite. Uh, I know for me though, I, 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 I'm hyper. I know I am. I, I, I get... I'm a hyper person, but not around people. People make me very nervous. I cannot be hyper around okay. them. No, no, you're right. So no, what I it does you. for me is that I stay inside my head, and I live well, in there. And my medication makes it so that I don't feel so. I don't have to use that hiding in my head as a safety blanket because I have the energy to put into the social situation. Interesting. I mean, I'm, I have to agree. I'm not good in social situations when I'm talking about I'm hyper. I'm hyper with people I'm comfortable with, not with mm-hmm. people I'm not comfortable with. Next neurodiversity is going to be dyscalcula, which I have. So Me too. This is going to be a really fun um, example for you. So dyscalculia isn't the fact that you can't learn math or that you're bad at math. It's that you can't, you don't have the retention, you can't use the recall to pull back math facts the way you're supposed to. And you get really messed up with visual representations of things. So, for example, we all know that 1 plus 1 equals 2. A visual representation, though, of that, 1 plus 1 could equal 11. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see that. So we don't necessarily get hiccuped 
in math until we start getting um, past adding and subtracting. And I can do some times tables a little bit. Uh, I have a really hard time with dividing. I can't do decimals uh, without a calculator. Uh, I can do these things. Just, you know, I just need a calculator to do them. <laughs> so that's what it turns into is I can't remember the math facts fast enough to do it in my head. I really need a calculator to do this. I do know math and I am I'm not bad at higher end math. I can do those things. I just can't remember the math facts fast enough to recall them out, especially during a test. I I know for me how, because I have this too. Okay, so I was taking a type of algebra in college, and I'm sorry, this is my experience with math. I got a tutor and did all my homework with my tutor. Um, I would take the test, fail the test, go to the math lab, study for the test, retake the test, get a slightly better grade, go to the math lab, because I got to retake the HELOS, retake the test three times, finally get a passing grade on that third test. I worked really, really, really hard for that C. <laughs> like, <laughs> I worked really hard for that freaking C. Yeah. I can't do math to save my life. Well, it like goes it like I can't I cannot retain some of the um the formulas. I don't know why. It's not like I didn't try. I I, I don't know why. I can't either, girl. So when I'm I go to I go to restaurants and we get the check and I go, "Here, here husband, you need to math for me." Well, here's the thing. Guess what? My phone can do that for me. And That's uh, true. Too. That's true. Yeah, there's calculators everywhere and I'm happy that uh college I've heard is changing where they're now allowing calculators because um, everyone has on their phone now. Because everyone has on I their phone. I remember being or, in school being told, you can't rely on that calculator. You can't have a calculator everywhere you go. And now it's, yes, I can. Um, it's, so our mom was a nurse for years and years and years. And she's even like, uh, no, we use a calculator because we're not going to pretend like we are we know what we're doing. Like, you obviously should be like being able to do those calculations. And medical calculations, I'm actually really good at. Because uh, it's the same calculations over and over again, but it, you always check thumb. yourself with a calculator. There's never, yeah. not really going to be a situation unless there's an apocalypse where there's not going to be a calculator. Okay, that's me. And that's actually what I was going to say. It's like it's a good rule of thumb, I guess, to maybe tr- you know, like you should know how if you can. I mean, if you have to calculate it, because in case you don't have a calculator, but yeah. It's it's always like medical, even probably, you know, you always check with the calculator because brains are faulty. Brains yeah. are not perfect. Yeah. Even technology is not perfect, but it's more perfect than the brain. Yeah. Okay, next one is dysgraphia. This one is kind of, it's kind of like dyspraxia, but it affects um, a bit more of uh, handwriting, like general handwriting. Um, so it, it affects the written expression. Uh, it can appear as difficulty with poor spelling, uh, poor handwriting, and trouble putting like uh, thoughts onto paper. So like you can feel like you like you want to do it, but you can't figure out how to put it down. Um, like a hard time like pulling the the thoughts apart. We're we're just kind of start uh, you know shotgunning these. So next one is hyperlexia. This one's actually really interesting. <laughs> no, this one is almost. Almost envious of? Almost. Sort of. How many times have you heard that somebody started reading at the age of, like, three or, like, taught themselves to do that? Because I have heard of people doing that, right? And we're supposed to, like, be envious of those people or look how smart that person is. And granted, they might be smart. I mean, 
neurodiversities don't stop you from being able to be successful. No. So no. hyperlexia is uh, the opposite of dyslexia. Dys means difficult and lexia means words or language. Hyper means um, high because hyper, high, hypo is low, hyper, high, lexia meaning words and language. You are able to read at an early age. You kind of um, are really obsessed with like letters and logos and numbers. Um, these people are also like described as being like really precocious as a like younger, um, but it's really interesting because I do like, like I've said, I've heard of people reading before the age of, of like, like, like five, like at the age of three and teaching themselves to do it. And I'm wondering, well, is that person hyperlexic then? Which just shows that neurodiversity isn't always what people consider a deficiency. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Well, with all of these different neurodiversities, for me, it really makes me lean towards what is normal. Isn't everyone kind of a little neurodiverse then? Which I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, everyone's a little, yeah, that's what, it, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm feeling. We've got three more in the pipeline for you. The next one is Tourette's syndrome. And I know Mm. people with Tourette's and I have this one in here because it bothers me how it's represented in movies and TV shows. Um, Just like pop culture. You're not like randomly swearing. I mean, you can have like random sounds like uh, ticks or uh, uh, puffs of air or like uh, some random words, but it's not like you're just like yelling swear words in the middle of the supermarket and I mean you can tell yours in a a minute but uh, I went to school with a kid who has Tourette's and the only way you knew he had Tourette's is that he like every time he took a bite of food he had to smell it you know that's it so it was like to the nose to the mouth to the nose to the mouth and that was that was just him it wasn't a big deal and Tourette's can um it can get worse depending on the situation they're in if they're in a very stressful situation sometimes one of those ticks or something will start to appear um, versus when they're not in a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's much different than the way it's normally portrayed. Tourette's syndrome is inherited. Uh, it's key features are, you know, those ticks that we've been talking about, um, involuntary or uncontrolled sounds and movements. It's a really complex disorder. And there's a lot of people with this condition that also experience anxiety because of it. So just like, eh, yeah, food for thought when we are um, representing people or have a certain like idea of what a person is. Same thing with all of these neurodiversities. Same thing with autism and dyslexia and ADHD even. Like, you want to read our next one, Drew? Okay, so the next one we're talking about is obsessive compulsive disorder. It is a common condition that manifests in people with obsessive thoughts and compulsive behavior. It's not just organization or cleaning, which is often how it's portrayed in media. It is much more anxiety um, run. It is much more anxiety run in the body than I just need this house to be clean. It's more I need to do this particular thing or action because if I don't, something else is going to happen. I'm obsessed with doing this action because if I don't, some terrible thing is going to happen yeah so like you said a lot of people try to think that it's just i'm really organized and i'm really clean well actually no it's not what it is you can be ocd and not have a clean house you know um yes yeah it doesn't manifest necessarily in cleanliness and everybody like yeah and ocd can also be a a coping mechanism that you learn from a, a traumatic situation so it's not it's not this like 
I have an immaculate house. It's you're trying to control things obsessively um, to take away your anxiety. And I know that's not necessarily how everyone feels that they have OCD. There's also a spectrum to that. Um, our mom is OCD. She has some weird things. Uh, <laughs> not like horribly weird. She just, she gets twisted and then she has to untwist herself if she spins the wrong way. And uh, she flirts with the top of pots when she puts the lid on the top or, or oh, stuff like goodness. that. I used to think there was a particular way you had to turn off the buzzer on the stove because she did it like three times. Yeah, and that's just her <laughs> having to click it three times over and over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and honestly, though, I can. I mean, I'm not nearly like I'm. I'm. I'm not nearly like that bad, but I know I have some tendencies towards towards things like that, and um, it manifested the worst when I was in gymnastics. Um, because it comes out in stressful situations. And I had a terrible fear of going backwards on beam, of going backwards in general. And so when I was in school and I was typing on the computer, if I did not hit the key perfectly when I was typing, I had to rewrite the entire word. I had to erase the entire thing and rewrite it. Because if my fingers didn't hit the keys right, then that meant something bad was going to happen mm-hmm. at gymnastics. Yeah. So, so I, I understand, too, you know, you understand right? the anxiety I I that from side mom. of it. Yeah, because she she has a little bit yeah, more of to, the, to an extent. I know to, yeah. of what it is because she has a little bit more of the anxiety side of it. And I do know that it oh, manifests yeah. in a ton of other ways. It's just what I have seen more. And it's definitely I mean, she is a very clean person, but she was also a nurse. Oh, so she she's is, like yeah. a germaphobe. That's true. Um, yeah. But it, it manifests more in like that sense than it. Yeah. Than people think. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, our last one is actually a really interesting one, and I just threw it in here because it was weird and interesting. I mean, it's under neurodiversity, so why not have everybody listen and, and learn about it? Mm-hmm. It's called synesthesia. So this condition is when you're taking like a stimulus, and it's perceived as more than one sense. So you can taste color or... Uh, see music. See music, yeah. It's... Receive, I guess... I, audio waves anyways i have no idea what this like how this works for people no i've heard of it i'm probably gonna romanticize this a little bit and say that i wish i could like i don't know see music or you know smell color or i don't know that'd be it would be cool just to experience it once it does seem like it would be cool to experience it once i could see it being very disorienting yeah i could see it eventually getting really tiresome (laughs) yeah But no, this, and that's an interesting one that I had only ever heard of one other time. Okay. Well, that is our list of things under the neurodiversity blanket or umbrella. I hope it was enlightening for somebody. Um, And I hope that my mic is working. Actually, I know what it is. I checked it because I'm not stupid. I did it again. You know, I made sure it's working. You made sure it's working. I'm sure it was. No, I love this. This is, um, I found all this very interesting. It's great to hear about the different neurodiversities that are out there in our world. Yeah. We see and you. <laughs> we see you, other neurodiverse people. And also, just to like, you know, say it again, if you have one neurodiversity, you normally have another one. I mean... A lot of dyslexics, I think 50% will get diagnosed with dyscalculia, and 60% will get diagnosed with ADHD. So it's it's not like a hand-in-hand thing, but they 
more, more, most likely, <laughs> most likely if you have one thing, you could get tested and figure out that you have another one, you know? Yeah. Things overlap. And, uh, I think it makes sense. It's the same thing with almost any type of disability. A lot of times with that comes other things. Yeah. It just happens. It is. Um, and it makes sense. I mean, like if your brain changes, it's not going to just change one thing if your brain has a difference it's not like with dyslexia ready it's not just an issue with reading it's not like black and white that way our brains are a ball of gray matter so it's a gray field and you gotta take it as such it's not black and white yep okay you can find us on instagram at melons.podcast that is where we post photos and images that go along with our topics and i them you know mm-hmm. over there anyway so if you wanted to send a message to us at all send it there i am on the other side of that and i will message you back um with that if you liked what you heard or if you want to share it with somebody else please do so please like review and subscribe all of these things help the algorithm and help us you know reach more people i'm being really honest i need you to be my little marketers and all you have to do is press the like button or subscribe that's all you gotta do it means a lot to us i'm begging from my closet okay oh lord oh god okay we are a community that we hope is growing and we are so happy those of you who are taking the time out of your week to listen to us for about 30 to 20 minutes thank you we appreciate you we do as always melons be different and be kind